Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with some of our biggest fades in 2022 fantasy football drafts. Guys that we're avoiding, guys that we think might be busts. Today, we're going to be bringing you six guys that we think are not going to pay off at their current ADP. Guys that we're avoiding in fantasy drafts. If you guys enjoy this video at any point, as always, uh, hit the like button. Comment down below who is your biggest fade in fantasy football this year. And subscribe to the channel if you are new. Danny, how you doing? Doing well. And uh, last video, the video you would have watched yesterday, you know, we're giving our flowers. We're giving our glory and reviews to some of these values currently in underdog fantasy drafts. However, this is the uh, no good one. This is the one where uh, you might have some favorite players. Uh, Best believe we may be getting on their heads today because these six players currently on underdog fantasy ADP, in our opinions, are just going overvalued in terms of where exactly they should be going in drafts currently. So, yeah, you know, we give goal interviews. Now we're going to have to go to the negative side. If you guys, you know, take this to heart, just understand a lot of these players, except for maybe, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, we more so hate the ADP rather than the actual player themselves. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've been warming up on Juju a little <laughs> bit, but I'm still well under consensus on him. So, um, yeah, if you guys want to take this advice into action, not draft these players during drafts, check out underdogfantasy.com the sharpest place that you can get ready for your home league drafts and win some money in the same time. So if you want to sign up over there, promo code FSC gets you access to our rankings, both dynasty and redraft, and you'll get a hundred percent match back from them for using our promo code. So uh, get some practice in for your home leagues and win your chance at $10 million in best ball mania three puppy two, I believe is about half filled right now as well. So uh, if you want to get on there before the puppy fills, that would definitely benefit you a lot. So without further ado, let's hit the intro. All right, so the first guy on the list, I mean, probably the most divisive name in all of fantasy football is Gabriel Davis. And the reason he's so divisive is because his ADP is wide receiver 21. And he's going at 43rd overall on underdog fantasy right now. And I think this was this whole topic of conversation was completely inevitable after the four touchdown game he had against Kansas City in the playoffs. ADP varies a bit on Gabriel Davis because on sleeper and NFL fantasy, you might not have to pay a fourth round pick like you do on underdog fantasy right now. Because obviously the appeal of Gabriel Davis on underdog too is that you stack him with Josh Allen and he goes a little bit higher as a result of that. But anywhere, you know, before round five, round six is probably egregious for for uh, Gabriel Davis's ADP. But a top four round pick on underdog is absolutely absurd. I don't know how many times the fantasy space is going to get caught up with chasing mad wide receivers just because they're the number two wide receiver for insert great quarterback here. Usually it's Aaron Rodgers. Sometimes it's Patrick Mahomes, but in this case, it is Josh Allen. If the basis of any argument at wide receiver and not running back is purely opportunity and situation related, 
it's probably not a good bet to make. You need to be a talented player at wide receiver to get open and get targets rather than just be given them like you were a running back in a great offense, for example. So Gabriel Davis, not a consistent player. He has a 10% target share each of the last two seasons in the regular season. He's definitely shown his flashes for a touchdown game in the playoffs, but uh, the consistency just isn't there. And when you look at Matt Harmon's reception perception, he kind of agrees. Not the most polished route runner in the world, 33rd, 27th, and 36th percentile win rates against uh, man zone and press coverage. I imagine Gabriel Davis is probably going to be even in a breakout season, kind of like a Tyler Lockett situation where he has a couple big games throughout the season, but disappointment 75, 80% of the other games that he has kind of like a poor man's Mike Williams. And again, I don't mind him as like a breakout candidate stab to take in the seventh, eighth round, maybe in the sixth round, if you're really in on him around guys like Brandon, Ayuk and you know, Christian Kirk and Hunter Renfro and guys like that and Tyler Lockett. But that's not where he goes. He goes ahead of proven studs like Deontay Johnson and Terry McLaurin and DK Metcalf and DJ Moore. Yeah, the, the funny part about a guy like Gabe Davis, and uh, this is kind of why, you know, you'll see typical best ball drafts are occupied by redraft-centric players and DFS-centric players. The problem with a guy like uh, Gabriel Davis is that he is way more value in a one-week DFS high-scoring slate than he will be throughout the season. Because as we know, in terms of his role in this offense, in terms of the type of player he is, as you kind of said with Tyler Lockett, he's not going to be a player who is going to consistently demand, you know, a 22, 23, 24, 25% target share. He's probably going to be maxed out in the high teens this year. And what that tells me is that although he may have those games sometimes where he'll go nuclear, maybe he'll go, you know, eight for 170 and two touchdowns insulated into that Bills offense with Josh Allen when Josh Allen goes off. He's going to have games where he has three, four targets, isn't really a focal point of the offense. The offense, you know, is still going to move the ball. But realistically, a guy like Stephon Diggs, James Cook, Dawson Knox, etc., are either more proven or just as proven as Gabe Davis is at, at this point. So the problem with Gabe Davis's current value on underdog is that people are viewing it way too much in that DFS one week, one game slate frame of mind, as opposed to that overall production across the season. Right. And he could be one of those guys that if you can advance him to week 17, he might blow up in that final game. But the tough thing is going to be spending a fourth round pick. You're not really leaving yourself a lot of opportunity for, for that to happen. And again, we've made this mistake before chasing Aaron Rodgers as number two wide receiver, chasing, you know, McCole Hardman and other Patrick Mahomes wide receivers like Sammy Watkins and stuff like that. You got to be a great wide receiver to earn targets. And Gabriel Davis, I'm just not sure, is a great wide receiver. Could he break out? It's possible he plays in a great offense and he had a great game in the playoffs, but I'm not going to bet on it to the tune of a fourth round pick. If it costs me a seventh round pick, sure, I'll make some bets at that point in time, but uh, uh, not a guy that I'm going to be overly uh, heavy on this this offseason. For sure. And you guys are going to notice a common theme of this video is that the market is higher on these players because they are overvaluing the situation and overvaluing, you know, the status of the offense as opposed to the actual talent level of the player itself. A lot of my guys, a lot of your guys all share that common theme. And I mean, we can go into my first player and one of the more egregious values on underdog fantasy right now, in terms of really this team, you're going to see his teammate actually get announced by me later on in this video, but Cortland Sutton wide receiver for the Denver Broncos currently going off the board as the ADP wide receiver 17 in the top 37 picks, his ADP just, it it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Sutton, yes, he's a receiver who peaked in 2019, but he peaked as the wide receiver 27 in points per game. And since that season has torn his ACL, added a top 20 selected wide receiver, and has seen another receiver in that exact offense 
jumped from 31 targets in his breakout year to 70 plus in each of the last two years. Not to mention he's gotten two years older without an improving campaign upon that second year. So why has he gotten more expensive? Again, I get it. The quarterback upgrade does matter, and I understand the optimism around him. But the Broncos' offense is being priced solely on projection and solely based off, you know, potential improved situation rather than individual talent. And straight up, in terms of the fact that Corlin Sutton going and being priced above teammate Jerry Judy, who straight up dominated him in terms of production this past year and is a 23-year-old ascending player versus a 27-year-old player coming off a huge disappointing year. It doesn't make sense to me. And you guys would have seen the splits from last year. In the 10 games that Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy actually shared the field together, Cortland Sutton's targets per game dropped from 9.14 to 4.6. And his PPR points per game dropped from 15.93 to 4.01. Now, again, there's going to be some positive regression from there. Again, a better situation. Jerry Judy's not going to have that level of impact on Cortland Sutton. But what this tells me is that Jerry Judy's the better player. Jerry Judy has more of a chance, given his status, going into his third year to be that wide receiver one for the Broncos than Cortland Sutton does. And we are drafting Cortland Sutton based off the DK Metcalf touchdown score archetype that, you know, Russ is going to gravitate towards. The difference there is that DK is a star level talent and Sutton, to put it simply, can't hold his jockstrap from a talent level. So overall, I mean, we're betting on volatile players with no real elite ceiling due to talent restrictions on the back solely of touchdown expectancy in a historic range where we see league winners come every single year. This is just a terrible bet. Look at the uh, players that are going in the range of Cortland Sun. Right after him, he's going wide receiver 17. Right after him, wide receiver 18, Jalen Waddle. Wide receiver 19, Terry McLaurin. Wide receiver 20, Deontay Johnson. It doesn't make sense where... He doesn't have that elite upside in terms of the talent level he has, but he's also going above proven elite wide receivers and receivers that have proven to be able to command 25 plus percent of their team's targets. Make it make sense. Yeah, I think some people might point, and and part of the reason why I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy both are going high is because people assume the Rams situation is going to happen all over again, where Matthew Stafford, who is you know on the shackles of the Detroit Lions offense, goes to the Rams and he becomes this elite quarterback, and the same thing's going to happen with Russell Wilson. But I think the big difference is that we know, or we knew at least, that the Rams were going to be a pass-heavy offense the second Stafford went there. We don't know that about the about the Broncos. We we are, you know, maybe think that Russ could cook, but, like, it's a run-heavy scheme with two great run uh, running backs and a good defense. There's a good chance that Sutton is pretty efficient, but not necessarily a high volume guy and a guy that is capital or cannibalized by Jerry Judy being on that team. So I like Sutton. I think he's a, a decent bet to make as far as like a bounce back candidate or like a breakout candidate two years removed from the ACL. But the problem is that you're not getting any discount on that whatsoever. He's going as if it's going to happen. Hey, exactly. You're paying for it as if it's like for sure going to happen. The thing about this situation, I'm glad you mentioned, again, I'm going to get into it more when I talk about his teammate, but the, for everyone thinking that this is going to be all of a sudden a high pace, high volume passing offense, like the OC that or their new head coach is Nathaniel Hackett, the OC from Green Bay, was never known for high volume on passing offense. And it does help when you have Aaron freaking Rodgers leading the charge. Yes, Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers may be the most talented quarterback I have seen in my lifetime. So if we're basing it off the fact that, oh, look how efficient Aaron Rodgers was on low volume, like that's a big bet to make for Again, a quarterback, as much as I love Russell Wilson, has not played like that same player in the past two years. 
Right, and we, we've seen the the inconsistencies that Metcalf and Lockett have suffered from, and that's again the bull case because I think Metcalf and Lockett are better receivers than Jerry Judy and, and, and Cortland Sutton. So, uh, yeah, Sutton like the player, like the outlook, like the bounce back, but the problem is that it's all baked. It's not baked into his ADP whatsoever. If he was a fifth, sixth round pick, and if you can get him there in your home leagues, then he's a fine bet to make at that point. But in like the mid to late third round, early fourth round. Uh, I would easily take, you know, Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, those type of guys going around him over Cortland Sutton. So another guy that um, is holding, like you said, the stigma of, of the situation and the target share is Amari Cooper, who's going off the board wide receiver 31, 68th overall. Now, is the price egregious? Not necessarily. I think it's he, he's not priced terribly. But the problem is that you're drafting a guy with low upside, in my opinion. He's a boomer bust wide receiver three. He's been that for most of his career. And it's not baked into his uh, price, the fact that he has some kind of mystical upside that he might get more targets than he's ever seen in his entire career. I don't know about you, but Amari Cooper's been the clear-cut number one wide receiver of his team for pretty much every season except for last year of his career. And Amari Cooper has never been an elite route runner, never finished as a wide receiver one in points per game, never exceeded a target share above 21% since 2016, despite being the clear-cut number one wide receiver for Dak Prescott and Derek Carr, who are two good quarterbacks over the last you know seven seasons of his career. Wide receiver 31 and ADP for a very run-heavy offense in the Cleveland Browns, led by probably Jacoby Brissett for the most of the season. Um, we don't know when Deshaun Watson's coming back, but if he only gets suspended six games, best-case scenario, you still have Jacoby Brissett for six games in a run-heavy offense. Amari Cooper, like I said, has never been an elite route runner, despite what people think about him. I have right now on the screen his reception perception data over the last three years. He's never ranked really better than like the 50th percentile against zone coverage, and he's been terrible against man coverage for the most part in his entire career, despite people assuming that he's some great route runner. If he is routinely in the mid to back end wide receiver two range for the Dallas Cowboys offense and Raiders offenses that have ranked highly in the past, uh, the Cowboys offense scored the most points in the NFL last year. And Amari Cooper was the wide receiver 25 in points per game. The answer is because he didn't command targets at an elite level, and he's not going to do it in Cleveland either, regardless of, you know, nobody else is there to command targets. I disagree. I think David Bell is going to command targets. I think, Donovan Peoples-Jones could take a step forward. I think they're going to run the ball like fucking crazy, and I think David Njoku can command targets. Yeah, the thing with Amari Cooper and the reason why he gets the stigma as being like, oh, he's such a good route runner is that he has really nice flashes where you know he'll beat someone off the line, he'll make them look silly. Like He'll have plays where he looks like arguably the best route runner in the league. The problem with Amari Cooper is getting that on a down-to-down basis. And maybe someone will point to the fact that, oh, well, how are you guys going to say that? You always talk about injury-prone being a fallacy, but are arguing with Amari Cooper. The thing with Amari Cooper is even when he's playing in games, there always seems to be something lingering. And even when he's healthy, he's not the most consistent player on a down-to-down basis in terms of getting separation, clearly with what his reception perception totals would tell you. So Amari Cooper's overall ADP right now, especially, again, going ahead to some of the guys we would have talked about on yesterday's video, <clears throat> Elijah Moore. Uh, just, it makes no sense. We know what Amari Cooper is at this point. He's a boom bust wide receiver two, three archetype on a new team, potentially without his starting quarterback for the first six, eight plus games of the year. You're like, yeah, like if you want a forfeit upside at this point, go ahead. I'll take Elijah Moore. I'll take even like he's going before Adam Thielen. Like, why would you take Amari Cooper over Adam Thielen when Adam Thielen has shown every time he's on the field, he's a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy? 
Right, and he's going to have a higher target share despite being the number two in his offense. Yep. And he plays for a, with a way better quarterback and a way better offense. And like you said, all those young guys, Amon Ra, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, just give me the upside of those guys over Amari Cooper at this point in time. Yep, for sure. So uh, off of Amari Cooper, we'll go uh, into a, another receiver that changed teams this offseason. And another one that, quite frankly, has been overrated for the last few years and is continuing to get overrated because of the situation he's playing in. That's Juju Smith-Schuster, new wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, currently going off the board, wide receiver 27, 54.9 overall in ADP. And it's basically the exact same points I made for Cortland Sutton. Just echo home with Juju Smith-Schuster. If I hear one more person, you know, say, oh, you know, Juju's a steal. Look what he did in 2018. You know, he was 1,400-yard wide receiver. Finally healthy. Now he's playing with Patrick Mahomes. Just don't don't even listen to that because you guys can see on the screen, Graham Barfield tweeted out, Juju Smith-Schuster's efficiency by yards per route run each year has actually declined, including the 1,400-yard year. So in the 1,400-yard year, he was still at 2.01 yards per, uh, yards per route run, which is still good. But since then, 1.43, 1.27. Didn't even crack one this past year. And taking that archetype of wide receiver at wide receiver 31 and ADP is solely valuing the situation and not actually valuing the talent here. The common thing, in, in my opinion, in your opinion in fantasy is pretty simple in that we value the variables that we can control. Juju, a player, again, is solely being propped up on the variables that we can't control in terms of team situation. We know if a player has the talent to be able to command targets and has shown the ability to command targets. We're assuming, oh, because this Chiefs offense is going to be so good, Juju has to be the wide receiver one here. Juju has to be the main guy. When two factors still exist, A, Travis Kelsey is still the alpha here, and B, vacated targets are a fallacy. It is a much more likely scenario where, you know, their second round draft pick Sky Moore can elevate into the wide receiver one on this team rather than Juju Smith-Schuster who has shown enable to be able to do so. Or as we kind of talked about in the past when Michael Thomas got hurt last year and people were hyping up Marquez Callaway, the money ball theory where if a team is missing, you know, vacated targets or a number one presence on a roster, they're way more likely to do that in the aggregate to do that in terms of numbers, as opposed to solely putting an inferior player in that position to absorb that target share. So while people are going to point to Tyree Kill, oh, well, Juju Smith-Schuster is the next man up there. Juju Smith-Schuster does not hold a candle in terms of talent to what Tyree Kill does. It is way more likely the combination of Sky Moore, Marcus Valdez-Scanling, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, etc. on that roster will be able to chip in collectively as opposed to one player getting the blunt of that role. So taking Juju in the top 30 wide receivers is forfeiting upside based solely off a season he had in 2018. Fade that. I mean, if you want a safe wide receiver in this range, which again, I'm always shooting for upside, you know, you're Elijah Moore, Monster State Brown, et cetera. But if you even wanted a safe wide receiver, which is what people predict with Juju, take Adam Thielen, take Darnell Mooney, both of whom are currently cheaper, better talents, and have a much better projectable range of outcome. Yeah, and and you can get Juju is going to go high in home leagues too because he's you know tethered to Patrick Mahomes. It's a lazy argument. People are going to remember Juju from years past when they've you know maybe he won them a fantasy championship in 2017 or 2018. So yeah, I I said in yesterday's video or two days ago's video, uh, the league winning wide receivers that Juju could like fall ass backwards into a top 30 finish in points per game simply on the back of like 120 targets and like a seven yards per reception type of season. It's possible. I just don't think he has a huge ceiling. I think it's possible that he outperforms his ADP, which is never really what I'm looking to do at wide receiver. Um, but it is possible that I think he he has a good PPR appeal. That's that's basically the bull case and the devil's advocate I'll play. 
But people are putting a lot of faith in the washed up 25-year-old TikTok Jarvis Landry that Juju basically is at this point. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to argue with that. And um, I can pretty much just dovetail this right into his quarterback because I think Patrick Mahomes is overvalued. And obviously, I'm not speaking of Patrick Mahomes' actual ability. He's probably the best quarterback in the league, but he's quarterback three and a top 50 pick in fantasy drafts right now. And it's basically because of that ability that he's going that high. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes will be such an advantage this year in fantasy that he warrants a top four round pick. And again, in, in home leagues, he'll probably go in round three because he's Patrick Mahomes. I have Patrick Mahomes rated QB7 right now, and I could make the argument that I have QB8, Joe Burrow, and QB9, Dak Prescott could be easily ranked ahead of Patrick Mahomes because, like you said, the loss of Patrick or of Tyree Kill is a huge deal. Tyree Kill is a big play waiting to happen. He opened up that offense so much, and without that big play element last year before that Raiders game when they got back on track, we saw how mundane this offense became. They were just throwing you know, checkdowns over the middle to Tyreek Hill instead of trying to take the top off the defense. Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, MVS, and McCole Hardman. It's a fine core of weapons for Patrick Mahomes to be a locked and loaded QB1. But if I'm drafting a quarterback early, I want like a huge ceiling, 25 plus points per game upside. And to be honest, I can make the case that of course, Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, but also Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, maybe even like Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Trey Lance have higher ceilings than Patrick Mahomes due to the talent around those guys and the the rushing ability of some of the, the Konami code guys. Let, just let whatever sheep in your league wants to get a safe pick in round three or round four of their draft, take Patrick Mahomes while you draft Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, or Joe Burrow two to three rounds later. The problem with... Patrick Mahomes, as you kind of said, is uh, with his current ADP, you know, 49.8 overall. Are we really only saying that the presence of Tyree Kill is worth a, what, 13-pick drop in terms of relative value for Patrick Mahomes? Because that's basically what it was. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was, what, a, a, an early fourth-round pick, late third-round pick last year? So you're banking in the fact that losing a top-five wide receiver in football is only going to take him down about a round? Like, I think that's just completely naive by the fantasy community. The fact that he's still going as high as he is as quarterback three. When, as you mentioned, the Konami codes after, uh, Konami code quarterbacks after him, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, et cetera, have the rushing upside to boast for them. And then when you could actually compare Patrick Mahomes in terms of being a more pocket passing, you know, having to do it on the back of passing touchdowns and high passing totals, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, like you said, are way closer to Patrick Mahomes than people want to admit. Not to mention, I mean, Justin Herbert's going before him, but Justin Herbert is basically just Patrick Mahomes with a much better offensive situation this year. So overall, we're still drafting Mahomes solely based off his name value, solely based off his talent, without without actually taking into consideration that if he's not giving you know a, bo a boosted total in the rushing game, how are we going to expect him to get back to 40-plus passing touchdowns, you know, near 5,000 passing yards without the presence of Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and great quarterbacks who are actual awesome real-life quarterbacks cannot be that great for fantasy. Aaron Rodgers finishes QB8 in points yep. per game last year. He won the MVP award, and he <laughs> finishes QB8 because of what, you know, these Konami code guys can offer and some of the other pocket passers, what they have in terms of an advantage of weapons and the spoil of riches for some of them like Herbert and Stafford and stuff. Those guys just have way better talent around them, and I'm going to trust the price discount that I get on those guys versus Patrick Mahomes. Like, if you're in a six-point passing touchdown league and you want to rank Mahomes as high, sure, because, I mean, it's still Patrick Mahomes who's going to throw for touchdowns, but in a four-point passing touchdown league specifically, him going ahead of those rushing quarterbacks is just a market inefficiency, in my opinion, and 
That'll kind of lead me into my next guy, which, you know, probably has more comparable rushing upside than Patrick Mahomes historically, but it's Russell Wilson, quarterback from the Denver Broncos, quarterback eight in ADP, currently going off the board as the 77th overall pick. And this isn't even me, you know, saying that Russ is bad or that he'll have a bad year in Denver, but projecting him at quarterback eight over quarterbacks with similar or higher passing ceilings that still have the factor of offensive continuity that Russ does not, it just seems like a poor bet. Again, we're, we're projecting Russ to be this year's Matthew Stafford, you know, goes from a worse situation to a better situation, ends up, you know, having an MVP caliber year, ultimately having given the Broncos a lot of success. QB 11 in points per game, by the way, Matthew Stafford last year. So he wasn't superstar level during the regular season. And I was going to say the problem with that too, is that what we're projecting Russell Wilson to do what Matthew Stafford did last year, he's going before Matthew Stafford. So realistically here, we're expecting him to do the Stafford year and are taking him before Stafford. There's again, a definitely a range of outcomes where, you know, Russ can finally cook and, you know, maybe that rushing total like continues, which for a 33 year old quarterback, expecting him to rush as much as he did when he was, you know, 29, 30 is still a little bit of an oversight on the fantasy community's part of my opinion as well. But expecting him to, you know, fully cook and have the offensive passing volume of some of the quarterbacks in this range, despite, as I kind of mentioned with the Colton Sutton argument, Nathaniel Hackett coming in, people want to say, oh, he's going to build this offense around Russ. They're going to throw the ball, yada, yada, yada. He had Aaron Rodgers, and they were still one of the least pass-heavy teams relative to other elite quarterbacks that we've seen in the league in recent years. Again, we're expecting Russ to have no hiccups coming into this team, to have way more volume than realistically is going to end up happening this year, and are taking him above guys that have that combination of either elite rushing upside or elite passing ceiling. So realistically, if we're comparing you know, Russell Wilson to Brady, Stafford, and Dak, what is the bull case to take uh, Russell Wilson over those guys? Well, I mean, the the difference in those guys is obviously that those teams are going to pass way more than than the Broncos are going to. And, I mean, Dak and Brady, the weapons are somewhat comparable, I would say, because Brady's lost some guys. Dak lost Amari Cooper. But at the same time, the, the passing volume kind of makes up for that. And then Stafford just has way better weapons. So, with that being said, Stafford is going 16 picks after Russell Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so overall, I mean, with, with Russell Wilson, it just kind of seems like, you know, people are buying into that mid-career Russell Wilson prior to the last couple of years and thinking that he's going to, oh, well, he was a top five quarterback in this stretch. He's going to get back to there. You know, he's got a high floor because it's Russell Wilson. But at the end of the day, we have to take into account that these last two years are telling. This offensive situation is not going to have the volume that people expect. So we're taking Russell Wilson quarterback eight solely based off, you know, projectability rather than, again, if you're going to go with a quarterback with a safe floor, which is what I think Russell Wilson represents, there are much better options going after him. And if you're going for quarterback upside at this point, Russell Wilson's ceiling is probably quarterback six. If you want solely quarterback upside at a one quarterback league, take Trey Lance, like take Trey Lance at that point, because realistically, Russell Wilson is going to give you probably 4,500 passing yards, 30 to 35 passing touchdowns, which while great is going to get him into that Dak Stafford area, as I was kind of saying. Yeah, exactly. The The Russell Wilson situation is pretty simple to me. I, I'm probably not going to draft him for the fact that he has more risk than any of the other quarterbacks going around him because yep. it's a new offense, because it's unproven weapons, because of all those factors that you kind of laid out. The fact that you can get Stafford, who's already done it, the fact that you can get Dak and Burrow around him, the fact that you can get Brady sometimes after him as well. 
there's to me, there's just no reason to go after a Russell Wilson and take that risk when those risk factors don't apply to those other guys. And he probably has the lowest passing volume because of how good the running backs are on his team uh, of any quarterback that's going in the top 12 of ADP. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers situation this past year. Russell Wilson can be way better in real life than he is in fantasy football. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback eight in fantasy points per game this year as the MVP. Like even if Russell Wilson has the MVP caliber, always back to Russ, he's cooking type of season. If he's the quarterback eight in an MVP caliber season, are you barely beating ADP at that point? Are you barely beating where you're taking him at that point? And that's a ceiling. Like I, I, do, I just don't want to make that low quality ceiling investment that uh, Russell Wilson currently represents. Yeah, I'm, if I'm taking a passing quarterback, he better have elite weapons. And if I'm not getting that, I'm going to take a rushing quarterback. Like you said, Trey Lance, sometimes you can get Jalen Hurts after Russell Wilson. I'm sure in home leagues, people are going to take Russell Wilson over him. It's uh, it's it's a losing bet to make when you're betting on a guy who's going to be in probably a low passing volume offense with new weapons and no continuity. So um, that's the end of the video. Again, we don't like being negative on this channel, obviously. But if you we got to talk about some players that were fading, obviously. And if you guys enjoyed this video, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below. Let us know what you think of our bus. Who do you think is a guy that is, uh, that you're fading this year that you don't think is worth the uh, you don't think the juice is worth the squeeze? And subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. Check out Underdog Fantasy. As I mentioned, promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. Gets you 100% back, hundred match back on whatever you put in, as well as both of our rankings for free. Check out the Patreon as well if you're not in a state that is allowed for Underdog or if you already have an Underdog account. You can get access to our redraft rankings manifesto that way as well. Yep, and uh, appreciate you guys for making it this far. Hope you guys enjoy your week. Take care.